Just like The View, only without all the annoying broads, it's the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. A rollicking good bit of Medicare fun. The only time he was wrong was the time he thought he made a mistake. It's Medicare expert, Doug Jones. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for joining us today at the headquarters of the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. We are so happy to have you with us. It's um, just a wonderful day when we can chit-chat with you about all the wonderful things about Medicare and assist you in feeling more comfortable with your impending connection with Medicare. Uh, Everybody listening to this podcast probably is looking at the idea of either joining Medicare at some point in the near future, or they already have joined it and they're still sighing with relief from the um, excellent outcome that they had because they contacted Medicare for the lazy man to help them through the process. That's what I do, ladies and gentlemen, as my Canadian nephew must have told you at the beginning of the episode, my name is Doug Jones, and I am your Medicare expert. The whole thing is that uh, I convey Medicare information to people in a palatable, easily understood way. And the way I do that is I wrote a book, Medicare for the Lazy Man 2023, Simplest and Easiest Guide Ever. And you can get that book for yourself at either barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com, where the vast majority of the books are sold. And uh, when you go to amazon.com, you'll have your choice of many different editions. Uh, there would be um, the Audible version, the Kindle version, the paperback version, which is the most popular by far. That's an $8 item. And the magnificent hardcover edition suitable for gifting to your friends and loved ones who may or may not be approaching Medicare. And all of those books are waiting for you to come and pluck them off the shelf at amazon.com. Now, once you have absorbed the knowledge and that won't take you very long, once you have understood, come to the understanding about Medicare, what you need to do and all that stuff, your next step might be to contact me. The contact information is in the book, and I will assist you in acquiring the very inexpensive uh, ancillary coverages that will provide your complete defense against unpleasant medical bills as you go forward in life. All of us are at risk as we get older of having the need for expensive medical treatment, and that's what Medicare is for, to defray some of that cost. So I am now going to turn to my contact my uh, my uh, podcast producer and engineer, and I'm going to ask him a question. He uses a phrase all the time that many of the listeners may not have heard before. He calls me the anti-insurance insurance guy. Now, some people might think that's insulting because I am an insurance guy. How could I possibly be the anti-insurance guy? But I like the fact that he uses it. He has a specific uh, meaning in mind. And I'd like to ask Randy Carson what his definition of an anti-insurance insurance guy is. Randy, would you like to share that with us today? I will. I dreamt that. I mean, literally, Doug and I have been working together for, what, three years, 
three years plus now, I well, guess. 2020, uh, January of 2020. So yeah. three and a half years. Yeah. And I've enjoyed every minute of it. And I dreamt that term, I that it's a, it's a catchphrase, you know, it's a punchline. And the reason that I went to it, I, it popped into my head almost immediately when we started doing these podcasts is that Doug is an insurance guy and a damn good one nationwide licensed. But on the other hand, he's not going to sell you something that you don't need. So he's going to take, he's got your back, man. So the reason I call him the anti-insurance insurance guy is because one of the things that popped into my head when this did is that I've had some uh, run-ins with insurance agents that they don't really care what they're selling you, just that they're selling you something and that it's going to cost a lot and that they get a great commission. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's one thing I'm not getting. I'll tell you right now, this is not as lucrative as I had hoped because I recommend policies to people that don't cost very much money, but provide great protection. And uh, since my commission is just a percentage of what the insured pays to the insurance company, uh, it turns out to be not as profitable as I was hoping for. So I got to keep working, Randy. I'm hoping you're up for that. We are. But you know what else I've got? What's that? You forgot about our list. Oh, boy. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Please, Here we go. Please uh, uh, begin the process of the Medicare question. Put your seatbelt on. This is going to oh, be a boy. tough one. Okay. Really tough. Oh, God. And, My fingers know, are crossed. I know. Number 15. Ooh. Will Medicare cover hearing aids? The answer is no. Medicare will not cover hearing aids unless I couldn't. You lost... I couldn't hear. I couldn't hear that, Doug. <laughs> Let what, me speak up, Randy. Let me turn the knob and and uh, make my voice, you know, plunge into your head more loudly. Here's the deal: Medicare will not pay for hearing aids if your hearing loss is as a uh, result of normal aging process. Apparently, there are a lot of people out there going deaf. I know a whole bunch of them, uh, just that I have cocktails with on a regular basis. But I know of two situations in which Medicare will help. Oh, actually, I shouldn't say Medicare. I should say the federal government. Medicare will give consideration to your hearing problem, treatment of your hearing problem, and maybe uh, paying something towards the hearing aids to correct it. If your uh, hearing result came about as a result of a disease or an accidental injury that caused it. Um, that's kind of unlikely. Most people that have hearing loss and need, uh, hearing aids just have a, a natural loss as they age. Now, the other thing is that my friend, uh, in Illinois who served on the flight deck of the, um, USS Ranger, uh, was, <laughs> that's a pretty noisy environment when you got jets taken off and landing all the time. And so he went to the VA and said, my hear, my ears are uh, you know, not working anymore. I'm going completely deaf. And they put him into a, an experimental program where they gave him over to a company that makes high-end hearing aids. And in return for his evaluation and his testing of these products, he's had the use of some pretty darn expensive hearing equipment for quite some time. And then he goes on the Internet and gives his, uh, his uh, viewpoints on uh, or his review of the quality and ease of use and, and effectiveness of the hearing aids thing. And that's a VA program. It's not the VA actually paying for it. It's the VA uh, providing 
uh, people like guinea pigs for the hearing aid manufacturer. Other than that, you're not going to get hearing aids from Medicare unless it can be shown that you've got a disease that needs to be fixed or uh, an injury that caused your problem. So that was a, a pretty that was a big mouthful for just a simple yes or no question. Yes, yes, it w- but people need to know that because you know everybody would assume okay, well here yeah that would be co- no it's not right. And you know something <laughs> the same thing with dental insurance. People say well dental is very important to your health. Well I agree with that. Dental hygiene is very important for people's health. And we had a story a few episodes ago about how dental hygiene can have an effect on your heart function and all that. I don't know how true it is, but I'm going to go with that. I'm going to maintain my level of dental hygiene. But uh, the reason dental insurance and and hearing aids and um, glasses for vision uh, care and visits to an eye doctor, the reason that stuff isn't included in Medicare is because the country would have gone broke by now if we had to pay for everything for everybody. So what the com- the government did with the in- institution of Medicare is to relieve much of the burden of increasing risk as you grow older, but they didn't relieve everything. People still have to have some responsibility for their own treatment and their own care. And by golly, if I need to go to an eye doctor, I'm happy to pay for it myself because Medicare isn't going to pay for it. If I my vision is not harmed as a result of injury or disease, they will if I have a an accident that puts an eye out or something like that, then that's a Medicare problem. But typical vision that needs correction as you get older, that's you, buddy. And uh, stop reaching into my money or my wallet to to get money to pay for your uh, easily fixable uh, medical, dental, vision, or hearing problems, because uh, those are things that uh, should be personal responsibility as far as I'm concerned. You're going to put your eye out, kid. Oh, yeah, no, that's boy. a whole different story, isn't it? Christmas story. That's what it is. My parents wouldn't let me have a BB gun because they said that, you know, you're going to put your eye out. And when I was about 12, my father got me a 22 rifle, which I could have killed myself with, (laughs) although I was older. So my brother, I don't know how all my younger siblings got all these wonderful things that I never got. My, I broke in my parents apparently, but my brother, uh, when I was in college, he was six years younger than me. They gave him a BB gun, and first thing he did was shoot out one of our Pella thermopane windows. And uh, they never fixed it because the, the BB went through one pane of glass but not the other one. So it never really needed to be replaced, uh, and I think it was just like a reminder. They left it there in his room to remind him, uh, look what you did, stupid. <laughs> I thought, well, I, that's what initially came to my mind was – your dad's just left it that way, and then and then maybe even put a little tape sign on. It goes, looky here. Yeah, put a picture. <laughs> take a picture of him over next to the hole. Look what you did. No, I think it was just out of sight, out of mind. This happened to be on the ground floor of a two-story house that was built into the side of a hill. So, uh, in my brother's bedroom, there was a row of Pella windows, and just there's this one with the hole in it. And it always reminded him when he looked out that, uh, but it never made him any smarter. I mean, the guy did a lot of dopey things, uh, but sometimes you know, that, that happens. That's, that's, you know, we're moving right along here, Doug. We've got eight minutes left yet. 
Oh, my God. Let me tear into some of the curated content. The content curator is going to be so upset. First headline I see floating to the surface is, if I'm self-employed, should I enroll in Medicare Part B? Now, this is a, uh, a question and answer from Tony King. Tony with an I, because I'm a girl. <laughs> Remember, Tony, we talked about her a few back, uh, times back. She's got a... So it's a, Tony, T-O-N-I. I, because I, I am because a, I am a girl. I'm a girl. And she's from uh, down near Houston way. And um, she does a lot of Medicare question and answer. And, um, and I find that some of her material is repetitious. Also, I've listened to every episode of her podcast and she is really e- easily confused. On the other hand, there's something very endearing about her. So they brought in this guy, Jim, who helps keep her on track. And if, uh, if she starts to wander out into the weeds, he brings her back and puts her in front of the microphone and, gets her back on track and it's <laughs> between her um loss her loss of um uh attention and his uh being a little light in the loafers it's a very entertaining and very short podcast they're probably 10 minutes long so maybe we should take a a leaf out of their book ah anyway <laughs> so the question uh on tony's uh desk here is if i'm self-employed should i enroll in medicare part b So here is Bill from Tulsa, and he says, Dear Tony, I need your help with enrolling in Part B or delaying it. I am self-employed with an individual under 65 health insurance plan that covers me and my wife. I have been told by friends that since I'm still working, paying taxes, and have health insurance, I do not need Part B of Medicare when I turn 65. A business associate who is also self-employed delayed his Part B because he is under his wife's employer's group health insurance. I do not want to make a big mistake. Please explain the difference between my situation and my friend's situation. And Tony says, great Medicare question, Bill. Last week, I consulted with a person. This is Tony talking now. Last week, I consulted with a person that is also self-employed, but was given the wrong information about delaying his Part B. His Medicare nightmare is now starting. Medicare does not recognize individual insurance plans like yours, Bill, as true company benefits with creditable prescription drug coverage in order to delay Part B. Now this person who is 66 will receive not only a 10% penalty for each year due to not enrolling in Part B, but a 20% penalty because they at 10% for two years. So a 20, he'll get a 20% penalty each month for as long as he is on Medicare or for the rest of his life. The 20% penalty will increase as the Part B premium changes going forward. Bill, since you currently have an individual health insurance plan, and this is not true group health insurance, I would recommend that you enroll in Part B of Medicare during your initial enrollment period. Many believe that Medicare is automatic, but this is only true if you're receiving your Social Security check when you turn 65. Not working full-time with true company benefits is what Medicare looks for in administering the 10% per year or 12-month period that is the Part B penalty. If you are not receiving your Social Security check and you want your Medicare to begin the first day of the month when you turn 65, You can sign up for Medicare at any time, starting three months before your 65th birthday. 
go online to www.socialsecurity.gov slash Medicare. I say you can also do it at www.ssa.gov slash Medicare. That's a little bit shorter. And you can apply for Medicare Parts A and B on that website. Your business associate who is covered under his working spouse's true employer group health benefits can delay enrolling in Medicare. He must follow Medicare's enrollment rules as Social Security deems. Still working is the magic word when it comes to enrolling after age 65 due to losing your or your spouse's company benefits. So what she means here is if you are covered by your spouse's employment and still working, your spouse is still at work, actively at work, then uh, you're fine when it comes to Medicare. You can ignore the uh, enrollment in Medicare until your spouse decides to retire and you lose that uh, benefit uh, as a dependent of your spouse. So the Medicare and You Handbook discusses this under the subtitle, I Have Other Health Coverage Should I Get Part B? And they talk about delaying Medicare Part B when you're leaving your or your spouse's group benefits and that you can sign up for Part B anytime during the eight-month period that begins the month after the employment ends or the coverage ends whichever happens first. Even though the Medicare and You Handbook states that there is an eight-month period that one can enroll without receiving a Medicare Part B penalty, the handbook does not clarify that those who delay will not have any of the benefits that Medicare Part B covers until they actually do that enrollment. So um, we recommend that you or your and or your spouse's Medicare Parts A and B begin the first day that your employer group plan is ending in order to be sure that there is medical coverage in case a medical need should arise. So thank you, Tony King. <laughs> she spells it with an I because she is a girl. Oh, boy. Now, here's some good news for those of us that might be a little forgetful, and I'm not pointing any fingers at the screen or the gentleman sitting across from me looking at me going, who the hell is this guy? But there is good news on the horizon. A couple of years ago, a, uh, an experimental Alzheimer's drug was announced that was hugely, hugely expensive. And because Medicare assumed that they were going to have to be paying for this drug for Medicare participants, otherwise, you know, some people call them uh, uh, Medicare uh, beneficiaries. I don't like that because it sounds like welfare. But they raised the cost of Medicare Part B and raised a whole bunch of other uh, numbers uh, because they anticipated that they were going to have a huge expense going forward paying for the Medicare or the uh, Alzheimer's drug. That Alzheimer's drug didn't work out that well. <clears throat> In other words, it was it tested okay, but it didn't really turn out to be effective in real-life uh, trials. Now we have word of four different Alzheimer's drugs coming down the pike. Oh, anyway, they had built in so much additional cost in the anticipation of having to pay for that Alzheimer's drug for a whole bunch of people that the following year, they reduced the cost of Medicare because they said, okay, this drug isn't that good. We're not going to have to pay for it. We overreacted. We charged too much. So we are reducing the cost. So in the year 2023, the cost of Medicare Part B actually went down and uh, that was kind of a relief for a lot of people. These drugs may be very expensive. I don't know. 
and the cost of Medicare may go up. But the good news here is that the if they work, if any of them work, then um, we've got something that we can use to help Alzheimer's victims um, stave off the disease. And that's going to be a very good thing because I've seen members of my family go through Alzheimer's in their last years. And it's, uh, I think the person least affected by it is the person who has the Alzheimer's. The person, the people that are most affected are the family members that have to make sure that they're well taken care of, bear the financial burden and the emotional burden of watching your loved one kind of deteriorate before your eyes. So uh, I've got articles here that describe the four Alzheimer's drugs that are being tested, being developed now, and that people are working on. And it's good news because it, it was shockingly good that there was even one drug that might have offered us some relief from Alzheimer's. Uh, Lakembi, L-E-Q-E-M-B-I, Lakembi, I think. Uh, that has been approved by Medicare. So experts are predicting that Medicare Part B premiums could rise just as they did two years ago now that Lakembi has been approved. Alzheimer's disease drug Lakembi has recently secured full approval from the FDA and more expansive coverage from Medicare has followed. But experts warn that this could have long-term ramifications on the program's financial health. In January, the FDA cleared that drug, Lakembi, otherwise known by its geri- uh, generic name, Lecanemab, L-E-C-A-N-E-M-A-B, for its accelerated approval pathway. And it is the newest Alzheimer's drug on the market that targets the amyloid beta plaques, the protein that accumulates in the brains of people with Alzheimer's. This is a $26,500 drug developed by SIEISAI and Biogen, and it's covered for eligible patients enrolled in Medicare Part B. Patients with traditional Medicare or Medicare Advantage plans could still pay 20% of the cost or up to $5,300. Not if you buy a Medicare supplement from your old Uncle Dougie. That 20% threat goes away right there. In the U.S., uh, the company projects 100,000 people will use that drug in three years with more gains expected beyond that time frame, according to a press release. That could create a harsh financial reality for Medicare. An executive vice president at Arnold Ventures told a healthcare company that uh, that would mean the new drug would cost around $2.6 billion uh, per year for those 100,000 patients. If just 10% of people with Alzheimer's take the drug, it would cost $17.8 billion, an estimated 65 or 6.5 million Americans age 65 and older live with Alzheimer's. According to a study from last year, 2022, as many as 14 million Americans live with mild cognitive impairment, the symptomatic stage before the onset of dementia. And so this goes on and on. But the important thing to realize is they've got three other drugs that are being worked on <clears throat> towards the uh, the prevention or the slowing of the progression of Alzheimer's disease. And I don't know that saying the names of these drugs is going to be helpful to anybody because, frankly, I don't even know how to pronounce them. But there are three other drugs that are in the process of being tested now. And uh, one of them, let's say it says here, shows promising benefits in patients for six months. 
Alzheimer's patients who received a single dose of an experimental gene silencing treatment um, from a pharmaceutical company showed benefits for six months in a small study. Uh, the the uh, recipients of the medicine experienced reductions as high as 84 and 90% in two protein biomarkers that researchers say foreshadow the formation of amyloid, a sticky protein that builds up in plaques in the brains of people with Alzheimer's. So that's pretty good, 84 to 90% uh, relief from that particular Alzheimer's uh, symptom. Um Another, let's see, Reuters says another drug passes initial safety test, an experimental Alzheimer's disease drug developed by Acumen Pharmaceuticals, targets a noveling, a novel form of toxic protein, beta amyloid in the brain. Uh, another uh, drug is uh, shows slows the disease progression by 35% or even more when taken earlier. So the key with this particular drug is that if you start early on uh, this Alzheimer's drug, and if you continue with it, I guess, then the progression of Alzheimer's will be slowed. Well, it's wonderful to hope that there will be a slowing of the progression of Alzheimer's disease, but the real goal is obviously prevention or maybe a cure. So that's all I'm going to say about that because there's a lot of uncertainty, no no testing has been finished yet on some of these drugs, but I believe that um, there's every reason to hope for the future. Medicare Advantage overpayments higher than estimated. Ah, Randy's going to go, aha, uh-huh, yep. How did it take me so long to get to this element of our podcast uh, content today? I don't know. It should have been right on top. I'll have to speak to the content curator about that. Overpayments to insurers administering Medicare Advantage plans now exceed $75 billion a year due to aggressive coding of patients' health conditions and easily achieved bonus payments tied to quality. Researchers with these organizations have uh, found. Why does it matter? More seniors are choosing private Medicare Advantage plans over traditional Medicare, and continued overpayments could threaten the long-term viability of the program. I believe that some seniors are choosing Medicare Advantage plans, but also many are being forced into Medicare Advantage plan by their former employers who are holding the threat of retiree health insurance over their heads. Uh, and when the employer says, I want to switch to a Medicare Advantage plan for all of my retirees, they have no choice. The Medicare uh, or the cost is going to be paid by the American taxpayer, which is you, ladies and gentlemen, especially if you're still working. So anyway, what they found is researchers said the excess amounts of money are higher than previously recognized, noting that beneficiaries that flock to private Medicare plans and that's health uh, Medicare Advantage plans, have significantly lower expenditures than those with similar risk factors who remain in traditional Medicare. I'm not so sure that's true. I'm thinking that that might be a little bit wacky. Uh, anyway, to move forward with this article, they suggest overhauling the current payment approach. But ladies and gentlemen, what they're talking about here is that Medicare Advantage has a deal with the government. Medicare Advantage appears to be cheaper than regular Medicare, when someone uh, buys a Medicare Advantage plan, the government pays that insurance company a per capita amount. So if I'm 
like Doug's insurance company and I'm selling Medicare Advantage plans, every one of my clients, uh, I have to tell the federal government, okay, I've got a client here. It's uh, His name is Randy Smith. And uh, Randy has bought a Medicare Advantage plan for me. And the government says, okay, I've agreed to pay you $1,000 a month for each of the, your clients. So here's a check for $1,000 for Randy Smith's first month. And then I say, by the way, Randy is sick as a dog. He's got diabetes. He's a big old chunky boy. He's got uh, asthma and he's got all these other medical plans. He's sicker than average. And the federal government says, all right, well, our agreement says I now have to give you $2,000 a month because you've hired this sick guy and there is no medical underwriting in the world of Medicare Advantage. So we're stuck with him and we're going to defray your additional cost for Randy Smith being a sick boy. Well, and Randy Smith may or may not be a sick boy. What I did as the insurance company is I sent my uh, agent out to Randy's house and I said, here's a questionnaire, fill this thing out. And uh, if you if there's any doubt about whether or not you have any of the conditions listed here, just go ahead and say yes. And then uh, when the questionnaire comes back, I give that agent like a $50 reward. Some are as high as $125 just for filling out the questionnaire. And then I turn to the federal government. I say, see, this proves that Randy Smith is one sick boy. Give me that extra cash. Well, that is happening to the tune of $75 billion a year. Researchers say that the excess amounts are higher than previously recognized, noting that beneficiaries that flock to private Medicare plans have significantly lower expenditures. Well, one of the reasons they might have lower expenditures is because the Medicare Advantage plans don't tell them that they're not going to pay their bills. And that is a reason why Medicare Advantage uh, uh, participants don't have the same level of expenditure as Medicare patients do. So they suggested overhauling the current payment approach that links private plan rates to average spending by traditional Medicare beneficiaries. Another option would be to institute competitive bidding by Medicare Advantage plans to determine what insurance or uh, insurance company are paid. Uh, by the numbers, the Medicare Payment Advisory Commission has estimated annual overpayments of 6% or $27 billion. In reality, it was $75 billion, not the $27 billion they thought it was going to be. But the USC Schaefer analysis found that those beneficiaries who switch to Medicare Advantage plans have lower spending than those with similar health risks who remain in traditional Medicare. Factoring this favorable selection more than doubles prior overpayment estimates to more than 20% or $75 billion annually. Okay, well, Randy and I know that there's a, there's a, uh, there, uh, <clears throat> I'm trying to think of a, uh, suitable a suitable uh, expression but there is a uh, some smells out there in the world of medicare advantage there's a stinky poo thing going on nobody seems to be willing to admit it yet occasionally we read an article like this but we haven't found a, a smoking gun yet i'd like to have some of these guys frog marched off to jail uh, when we prove that they have been cheating the system but i guess that's a Podcast for another time. Salty language and too opinionated. Salty language. Oh, my God. I don't know where that comes from other comes than the three-star rating that I have on the book. It's the truth, people. 
There's a reason that Uncle Randy figured out that you really need to call Medicare Advantage plans Scam Vantage because Scam Vantage. You know, I'm not going to name any names here, but I was talking to one of my acquaintances just earlier this week, and uh, this person said, "Hey, I turned 65." Uh-huh. I said, "Yeah." She goes, "I'm on Medicare now." I go, "Okay, good, good. Did you get yourself a supplement?" She goes, yeah, yeah, it didn't cost anything. And I'm going, oh, for God's sakes, I know Uh, where this is going. Yeah, yeah, big red flag right there. So then I just kept my mouth shut because I, you know what normally would have popped out of my head, right? Oh, yeah. Salty language, I'll bet. Yeah. You know what it, you know, if it costs nothing, what is it worth? Nothing. Okay. Nothing. nothing. (laughs) Yeah. But more importantly, they're feeding a, a, monster they're feeding a or uh, contributing to the uh, uh, criminal activity that i believe is really at the base of the medicare advantage program i don't yeah. expect anybody to be patriotic enough to not get a medicare advantage plan if that's the best choice for them uh, but you are you should be aware you're contributing to a draining of the uh, federal government's coffers and uh, divesting or di- directing that money to people that i think are bordering on criminals well, I think they're uh, bordering. I think they've been over the border in some cases, but yeah. uh, there you go. Well, anyway, the crickets have spoken, Doug. Well, that's probably a bad thing for us, but a good thing for the client or the uh, listeners. <laughs> they they want to go out and do other things today. They don't want to sit here all day long and listen to us. Well, they? it's only 110 degrees out, so I was thinking about uh, you know staying pretty close to my ice block and hug it for a while. But, but anyway... <laughs> Let's go ahead and close her down. Our 75 cents is up. And somebody in upper management of the Medicare for the lazy man, uh, you know, universe won't up that. Co- it won't up it. What is well, it? If, the you, keep wearing, you keep wearing your fighting Irish shirt. You know, that's uh, <laughs> the, those of us that are English are scared of you. Yeah. OK, I'm I'm harmless most of the time so anyway let's go ahead and close her down the crickets have spoken but before we do there's a few things i always like to touch on get out your pencil because i want you to write doug he loves to get mail and you can send it out to him at dbj at mlmmailbag.com just in case i haven't mentioned it yet today doug is a nationwide licensed agent to help you with your medicare supplement planning or you can go to the website at medicareforthelazyman.com. Got a lot of cool things there to look at. And if you wouldn't mind, we would really appreciate you finding a place to give us a rating on the podcast and the books because we're always up against it. You know, the rating world is just never going to go away. But more importantly than any of that, <clears throat> I want to thank you for joining us. You could have been a hundred different places and you weren't. You were with us spending a little bit of your day listening to the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. And if you weren't watching your clock on your wall or the watch on your wrist, you have just spent about 32 and a half minutes with Doug Jones, the anti-insurance insurance guy from Oklahoma. No more. He is now living in the high altitudes behind Cave Creek, Arizona, hanging on to his army surplus binoculars (laughs) spying off of his deck at about oh i don't know seven thousand feet well thank you very much randy thank you ladies and gentlemen please join us again for our next episode 
We'll look forward to seeing you then. Bye-bye.